Welcome. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Moms Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense. We are the real defenders of the home front, and we are there when it comes to defending our families and our communities, and ever so much our beautiful, precious, innocent children. We're so happy that you're with us today. We do have a Liberty Mom joining us in a few minutes, Liberty Mom Kristen Chevrier, and we are going to be discussing a topic and many topics actually, but a topic that is really kind of the forefront of not just our community, not just our state of Utah, and not just our nation, but literally the whole world, the entire world. And that is the topic of children trying to transgender to a different sex. In Utah, we have two bills that are in the legislature right now. We're in our very short legislative season which is 45 days, counting Saturday and Sunday, so it's only 33 actual days, so things move very quickly and move very fast, and we have had two bills that um, seek to give some protection to our children. You know, we have to be very, very careful because our children, you know, laws don't apply the same way to our children as they do adults. We as a society and our government actually has the role of protecting our freedoms, And so in that, in protecting our freedoms, children need the freedom to be able to grow up before they make decisions that are lifelong damaging to them. We have laws in every state that forbid a child to drink alcohol because the lifelong consequences of drinking alcohol when you're a child are permanent and they're damaging. And there's no value created for a child to get engaged in the use of alcohol and and drugs. And when I mean that, I know alcohol is a drug, but other kinds of drugs as well. We don't even allow children to get their ears pierced without parental permission. And, and there's many things that we don't allow our children to participate in like we do adults because they're children. Their brains aren't developed. Their emotions aren't developed. They are very amiable and flexible and they change at the, the easiest of whims. And so we as a society have, you know, we as parents really have the, the full stewardship and responsibility to protect our children. But there are and there are occasions when parents so we we always want to err on the side of protecting our children. We want to be sure as a society and especially as parents that we're doing what's in our children's best interest and we're always doing what is going to be best for them in the long term. And with that, I would like to welcome our, my great guest today, my other Liberty mom, which is Kristen Chevrier. And we're really happy to have you with us, Kristen. We're just talking about HB 132 in the state of Utah. And I've explained the bill, what it does basically is protect our children from 
it protects them from three things. One is puberty blockers. And I think that's where the biggest conflict comes is because people want their children, if they want their children to transition or children that think they want to transition, they want to get started on puberty blockers really quickly so that they can, if they can get stop puberty from, from happening, then they don't start developing their body according to their biological sex. So that's, I think, where the biggest conflict and contention is for parents who want that for their children. Would you agree, Kristen? I agree. I don't, I don't know if, can you hear me okay? Yeah, they can hear okay. me. All right. So, yes, I do agree with that. And a lot of the conversation that probably maybe happened after you left the, the room, um, several of the legislators stood up and talked about that kind of thing, how there are people who are now in their 30s who wanted to transition earlier and there was no way for them to do it. And now they have facial hair and they have right. all these, these other problems. But I think that, and you may have already mentioned this, the statistics actually go the other way. They very much do, statistically. And I know people are real people. They don't like to get caught up in statistics because they're like, mm -hmm. I'm not a statistic, I'm a real person. So for me, I want the law to side with me for me personally. And that's what we want to make the laws fit general everyone right the laws have to cover everyone they we can't make laws specifically for those who are one or two people or just a small yeah. class i mean the laws need to protect everyone equally. and and it and as representative brammer and um representative ivory pointed out in the discussion down there on sb 16 fourth substitute um we know that adolescent and child minds are not operating the same way that they will operate in later years. And so to me, it seems like it's sensible and fair and good to err on the side of protecting the child from a mistake that they can't fix later on in life. And if they decide they want to transition, they can do that legally without any pushback at the age of 18 in the state of Utah. So it's not exactly like they have to be old. They, right. I mean, eight still, is still pretty puberty young, but is puberty is over. Yeah. Yes, but it's still, they're still young. They still have their lives ahead, but they have preserved their, their body and they have preserved their brain. And the, the thing about it is you only have one chance to go through puberty. You can't actually go through puberty later. You can't, go on puberty blockers and block puberty and then later say, okay, I'm ready. And then go through puberty. You, you only have, your body's only going to go through puberty for a very short time. And then if you've missed that, then you never actually go through puberty, which is not very good for anybody's body. And those people who have transgendered will admit, even those who stay transgender, they have a lot of health problems throughout their lives. Because they haven't, their body hasn't had a chance to fully develop. Right. Another thing that I think is super important to note, which kind of gets left out of the conversation a lot, I feel, is that the number one prescriber of Lupron, which is the most prolific and most famous puberty blocker, um, that this is a study done by the FDA. So this is not a study done by a lot of 
right-wing conservatives or people who are anti-transgenderism, this is done by the FDA. These are their records, what they show. This is what they can verify. And they said in five years, from 2013 to 2019, we don't have their figures since 2021 and 22 because they're still coming out with those. But back in 2019, there are a lot less people doing this. For the last, for five years prior to that, 41,213 children had adverse effects from just Lupron, not any other puberty blocker, simply Lupron, and that 6,379 children died from Lupron. Now, we really have to think hard. 3,000. So... As I was saying, just to repeat, we, we have a lot of research. So this is research from the FDA. This isn't even recent research, so it's, it's from five years before 2019. 6,379 children died just from taking Lupron. How many children die from that many diseases? I mean, childhood diseases and things like that, are they're very low, very, very low. And um, is that's a lot of children to lose from a drug that does not is not necessary that is not essential to their health. In fact, it's and that and forty one thousand adverse effects from it. So we we really do have to be very very careful. And it's not like I know they don't like it, but here's the problem. I think the biggest problem that we have is people that are struggling from gender dysphoria. They feel like the only answer is to transgender. They don't think there's any other answer. And I think what we need to do as a society is help them understand there are lots of other things. There are lots of other treatments that they can do in the interim to try to help heal the feelings that they have and the emotions they have. It's not a physical problem. Let's not do it with drugs and physical surgery. Let's work with some other things. And that's where I think a lot of society and the social aspect of this gets to you just need to transgender. And that, right. and and I think it's interesting too that the discussion is always about we want them to be able to be who they are. We yes. want them to be able to to be comfortable in their body, their and authentic selves. Somebody like Chloe, yes. And there are lots of people. There's like lots Chloe of Chloe's who wanted to go back to what she yes. was Her originally, sex. and and then it's not cool. Then it's not cool, and they do not no, like it at all. Like no, there's no celebration be, about being yeah. who you really are. There's no celebration there. Back. Yes. And it's interesting. It's like we want to be our authentic selves. So we want to change ourselves to someone we are not. By being, That's how we're authentic, is by being someone we aren't. Because the reality is, much as we may not like it and hate to hear it, but you can't actually change your sex. So transition doesn't mean changing your sex. It means just changing your appearance and changing your body, changing the way you dress because you can't actually change your sex. So um, one of the bills that I really like this year is HB 228 and it's unprofessional conduct. This is a great bill. Do you know about it? You mentioned it last night. I don't know. Oh, yes. Okay. Mike, he is he's a hero he is the sponsor of this bill and i really love it because it again gives us the real answer to this it provides an alternative you don't have to go to the extreme of transgendering you can go to therapy and have a real therapist really help you and what we have in the state of utah is a therapist cannot do anything but 
that verify or um, assert. Um, They can only support a person in their conversion. They can't help them if the child says, you know, I feel like I want, I feel like I'm trapped in the wrong body, but I don't really validate. They can only validate. And so what, what this bill does, it says a therapist cannot, it's unprofessional conduct to do conversion therapy that causes physical discomfort, pain, or unpleasant sensations, which I love because there was such a thing as conversion therapy to try to convert people from being gay uh, back in the day, many years ago, where they would do like pick, prick them with an electric shock or prick their, their, make it, you know, talk about it and then make it very uncomfortable so that they would make this sensation and the thought of that very uncomfortable, trying to convert them away from that. Of course, it's very ineffective and it's very harmful. And literally what you're doing is causing more trauma to the person who's already suffering. So I love this bill because it's saying a, a, a therapist can help the student, the child, sorry, my teacher, they can help the child in the way that the child needs and kind of find out the root of the problem rather than just um, going straight from suffering from gender dysphoria and rather, exactly. Okay, so that's a great bill, HB 228. So if you feel inclined, if you're even not even from Utah, feel free to let any legislators know. And I'm very happy to supply that template of that bill for anybody in another state who wants to work on getting that through your state, because it's an excellent bill. So one last thought on that. Yes. Um, There are many adolescents. In fact, I wonder if there are any who don't feel uncomfortable in their body. Yes. And don't feel uncomfortable with, with their name or who they are or who their parents are. Being an adolescent is a very uncomfortable thing. It's very uncomfortable. And I don't think we tell our kids that. You know what? I think You're so right. Every feeling that they have, they think has to be cared for. You know, it's like I have anxiety, so I need to have anxiety medication. Yes. Or I have this and I need this. And, it, and the reality is that growing up is hard. It is hard. And your body is changing. And I thought that I was fat. When I was mm-hmm. growing up, I thought I was fat. And you don't know I thought I was, I was fat. But I, I look good and really, I felt like really pudgy, you know, and then I look at the pictures and I, I had my hip bones that literally stuck out and I'm like, why did I feel fat? And I, I mean, I really wasn't very comfortable and I, I love that the boys got to do all the fun stuff. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to change my boys. I was very jealous of all my brothers and all the boys that got to do fun things and kind of resented being a girl. And I think you're, you nailed it, Kristen, because we don't really teach our children that's really normal. It's okay to be kind of uncomfortable with your body. And, you know, you're going to change. It's still an amorphous. It's going to change. So it's not, you're not done. You're not going to be like this forever and just kind of roll with it. And what can we do to help you feel more comfortable in your body? But I think another problem is that it being in the committee, in the several committees, I found that what was happening, in my opinion, in my perspective, the children are being the parents and the parents are letting their children run them. Whatever the children want, the parents think they have to give it to them. They have to make them comfortable. They have to give whatever they want. If this is what they want, we just have to do it. Yep. Yeah, and and it's very detrimental to the child. I mean, we have so many people who have so many mental health problems right now. And we wonder why. And we wonder why. And parents need to kind of 
grow up and be parents, because we want to be friends with our kids. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, it's great if you can have a great relationship with your kids, but we need to be the parents. And the other thing that I have found, and Chloe really talked about this, and I have found this with in other situations as well, is that we as mothers and women need to talk about how wonderful it is to be a woman, how great it is to be a girl, the benefits, why we love it, and how much we love being a woman and love being a mother, because we tend to get together and talk about, oh, it's so hard, and this and that, and oh, you know, there's these parts yeah, of being a woman. Also, so for being real on social media, a lot of times people start talking about the negative things yes. about being a mother or being a woman. We need to change that. We absolutely need to change it. And I think this is a great invitation for us as women to re change the conversation and start really focusing. And I thought Chloe Cole, who came to Utah and spoke in both committees on both bills and testified, um, did an amazing job. And she's so young. She's only 18. She transitioned at 13. And then she woke up and realized she had her breasts removed. And she realized it's she's not her authentic self. She's not at all her authentic self. Her authentic self is a girl and a woman. So she's detransitioned and she goes around the country offering her service to every single state and every person to let them know there are answers, there are alternatives at 18. She is sharp, smart, articulate, and very brave. Oh, she sounds like she's 35. She does. She really does. And she's beautiful. She's so wise and she's beautiful. She's very yes. wise. She's learned a lot in her 18 yeah. <laughs> traumatic years. But yes. yeah, and, and I think it's also just really important also to, before we leave this topic, almost everyone that suffers from gender dysphoria is either suffering because they had some kind of trauma so if your child comes to you and they're suffering from that, the best thing to do, as we all know, is to not get alarmed and freak out, but to try to focus in and see what is it that causes you to not be happy with your body. And a lot of times, like I say, almost without exception, Walt Heyer, who's done it, transitioned to transition back and is now a therapist, says almost 100% of the time they have, they have suffered some kind of serious traumatic, traumatic experience. And once you heal that, help heal them from that traumatic experience the dysphoria goes away it's very beautiful mm -hmm. okay so um kristen you're up here at the hill a lot almost as much as me mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe just as much i just don't receive but um why don't you talk to us about hb 131 it's one of my very favorite bills it is vaccine passport prohibitions i right. love this bill and you've done so much amazing glorious work on it and it's so exciting it is pretty It's exciting. a lot more fun this yeah, year than it was last year. Last year was so hard, and we're still trying to account for the difference. But I, I think that um, Representative Brammer probably nailed it to at least some extent when he was saying that um, last year, everyone on both sides was so fearful. Um, some people were afraid of dying because people weren't vaccinated, and some people were afraid of dying because they got vaccinated, and... And obviously, some of those fears have played out um, much more yes. than I would like to say they have. Yes. But um, people are dying from being vaccinated. But if, if, you, if you ask the media, they'll tell you it's because you eat too many eggs and too much bacon that people are getting blood clots. So, right. yeah. you know, I don't know. 
Um, last year, they said it was from gardening, that you could, the gardening and being in the dirt, there were microbes that could cause these problems. Which so, we've always, they've always told us yeah. how healthy and amazing gardening is for your mental health as your physical health exactly. as well. Exactly. And all of a sudden, it. it'll kill you. So, yeah, suddenly we need to be afraid of it. So, so anyway, the, the climate has changed dramatically. I think people are seeing that people are dying yes. and that are they're having lifelong health injuries um, because of, of having had too many vaccines. So in the committee hearing this time, nobody spoke against the bill. There was one lobbyist that got up and I thought, oh boy, here we go. And he got up there to say, he just really appreciated the work that the sponsor had done and that, and that they do not oppose the bill. Which is mind-boggling. Yeah, it's it's really mind-blowing. And um, anyway, so it went through the Senate committee. It passed 10 to 2. And the two who voted no actually qualified their votes, one of them saying that he might consider voting yes on the floor, but he didn't want it to pass unanimously. So he didn't vote yes in the committee. And the other one saying that he supports the concept, but he has some problems with um, possible unintended consequences. But I'm not convinced that his unintended consequences aren't going to create, I mean, his solution will create more. A lot of. Right. So, so we need the bill to not be amended. We need it to go through the way it is. Obviously, no bill is ever perfect. There are things that I wish that we could do. Yes. And including this one. Yeah. I would love to make a few changes to it to yeah. everybody. But um, it would be really nice, in my view, to be able to protect healthcare workers. Yes. I, I think that they get hung out to dry all the time. They have no recourse. They're just at the mercy of CMS. And and up until now, I mean, up, up to this point, there is nothing we can do for them. Yeah, and help them. And they're, you know, many, the nurses. And this is a broad statement, but most nurses are just so sweet and loving and amazing. I mean, I really like nurses, and they are hung out to dry, and they've been sacrificed, yeah. as well as all medical professionals. But I do, I do tend to like nurses. So yeah, um, we had a, we actually had a registered nurse speak in committee, and she was fabulous and talked about the injuries she's seen. So HB thirty one is fantastic. It's Walt Brooks from Southern Utah, and he has been amazing. Oh, we have so fun to work with. Thirty four co sponsors in the house, and it will be up tomorrow morning. We hope at eleven tomorrow morning. We thought it was going to be today, but we didn't quite make it because of SB sixteen. Yeah, SB sixteen on the transgender bill took a really long time. It did, but it was a good discussion, and it was excellent discussion. And ex and see, I love this. Uh, a republic is just not at all efficient. It was never designed to be, but it's such a great process. Because you've got a dictator, man, they can just get things done so quickly. Boom, they're done. But a republic where you have representatives and you do your research and you look at low sides and you let everyone have a voice and everyone gets to speak and you bring in facts and research and people and real stories. And it takes a lot of time, but it's so amazing because we gain such a respect for each other and each other's perspectives. Mike Kennedy is a master at bringing yes. sides together. He is a master at it. And he is not just a doctor. He's an attorney as well, which he uses both of those aspects. So. We are going to take a quick break. We're going to be back. When we get back, we're going to talk about some other bills that are up at the House of 
at the Capitol in our legislative session in Utah, and I tell you that I'll probably guarantee every one of these bills are either up or will be up in your state as well. So stay tuned because these are issues that you also will be dealing with. So we're going to take a quick break and Kristen Chevrier, Liberty Mom, will stay with us and we'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back. Thank you so much for staying with us. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network. And this is the Liberty Moms Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense. We are the real defenders of the home front. And we are there when it comes to defending our families and our communities. And we are there when it comes to defending our children and your children. And today we are at the Capitol. This is Delane England, your host. And uh, my guest is Kristen Chevrier. And we are at the Utah State Capitol because it is in session right now. And it is moving fast, as it always does, but it seems faster than ever this year because they had bills coming right out of the chute. And there's a lot happening and there's a lot of movement, but there's a lot of different topics that we are very interested in and that are very, very important to us. So we are going to kind of shift gears now, and we're going to talk about some other bills. Um, although it's not a terribly different shift, we're going to talk about SB 100. It's called School District Gender ID. I think this is a very, very important bill. This is a bill that is actually being sponsored by my favorite, oh. Senator Weiler. Oh, you said. And, yeah, I did, because I need to say it for everyone so they'll know. <laughs> so um, this bill, this basically says that at a school teacher or the school cannot hide from the parents if a child is presenting themselves at school as a different sex. That they cannot be a place that keeps that information from the parents. It doesn't even say they have to call the parents up and inform them. It just simply says they cannot withhold this information and hide it from the parents. What do you think of that, Kristen? Well, I don't think anybody should be withholding health information about children or any kind of mental health, physical health, any any private family information that belongs with a child belongs with its parents, child's parents. The schools are not the parents, and I think that they have forgotten that they are not the parents and that they don't have a right to raise the children. I, I remember years ago, even in, in California and probably here too, but I just don't know about here, um, kids were being taken to get birth control by school yes. counselors. That is not the role of the school. It is not the role. It is, it's, a, it's a breach and it's a betrayal of the trust. Because as a school teacher, it is never my stewardship or my right to stand between my, the parents and my students. My role as an educator, according to the Constitution of the state of Utah and probably every other state, it isn't to educate the children. It is to supplement or to support the parents who have the stewardship of educating their children. My role is to support them and help them in that role. It isn't to do it for them, and it isn't to go between them. 
And so I can only support those parents and I would never insert myself in between. And so it is very much a violation. And it was so interesting because when this bill got presented, you know, I mean, I really thought this bill, like, I, I couldn't imagine who would speak against it, who would even have the guts to come and speak against this bill. But there was a father who spoke against this bill saying, the schools need to be a safe place for transgender kids. He has a daughter who transgendered to be a boy and who was hiding it at school for many years. And he said, I was a mean father and I was very, very angry. And I would have, when I found out, I was very upset. If I would have found out even sooner, I you know who knows what I would have done to my child. And he was just, he just said, no, the schools need to keep that a secret. They need to be a safe place for the kids and not let the parents know. And that's kind of assuming that every parent is like him. It's kind of like damning every parent saying every parent right. is going to come unglued. And it also and, assumes that everybody at the school has the child's best interest at heart. Absolutely. Which we know is not the case. Which we know is not the case since they're spreading pornography and there there is a social contagion. And so parents have a right to know because parents have the best interest. They have an absolute best interest of the children. And they are literally in every way responsible for their children. And so, yeah, they have a right to know. So I think that that father needs to maybe come to grips with the fact that he has a responsibility for his child. And that if he would have reacted badly then that's on him. That is his response. Yes, that is it on was him. his responsibility. He can't just um, give over his responsibility to someone else because he doesn't trust himself. Because he doesn't think he was a very good father. But yeah, which is really sad. And yeah, and I, and I think he's learned a lot, which is really great. But yeah, that was that was kind of shocking to me. But that that is a really good bill, and I'm very pleased that it is being brought forward. Um, another bill is SB 93, Vital Records. That bill is being sponsored by Senator Dan McKay. And that bill simply says, now, interestingly, Senator Todd Weiler is the one that sponsored a bill several years ago that allows people to change their sex on their birth certificate. So you can go back. You can't even change the way you spell your name on your birth certificate. Or you can't change. my. I mean, my son... When the midwife filled out his birth certificate, she made a mistake and she wrote down the wrong date. Mm -hmm. So his birth certificate has the wrong date and they wouldn't let us change it and correct it to the real date. They made us do an amendment. So his birth certificate literally has the wrong date and then an amended version has the corrected date. That's the same with my daughter. We changed her name. And so she has a stable. It's stapled Uh together. There's the first name that we gave her. And we changed it within a month or two. I oh, can't this was a deadline. This was in the day, like I mean, literally within one day. Because as soon as she, maybe it was that she submitted it with the wrong date, we're like, no, that's the wrong date. She went right back, but they said, nope. Once you submit it, there's no changing it. We can never change a birth certificate. Then he passed a law that they can change your sex on a legal government document and put down not a right a sex a corrected sex but took down a sex that the person is not. So you're actually changing and putting false information on a birth certificate. Because remember, we can never change the sex of ourselves or there is no way to change someone's sex. It's in their DNA. You can only change your appearance, your bodily appearance. 
So anyway, that was interesting. So now this bill, SB 93, says you cannot change your birth certificate um, until you're 18. And so that kind of puts a limitation on that. So you can go change it after you're 18, but you can't change it. So that's designed to keep children from changing their birth certificate. They can for the first year, but they can't after a year until they're 18. So I think that's a really good bill. I think that is, again, it makes it harder for people to make unwise decisions so they're not flipping it back and forth and making those changes willy-nilly and then wishing that they had done something different. Yes, and regretting it. Okay, then we have SB 31. That is our Utah state flag. And the reason that I bring this up is because this is, a, there's a kind of a, a national push to change every flag, every state flag across the nation because state flags carry with them a lot of symbolism and a lot of meaning. And most state flags have some reference to God. And because our, our nation was founded on God, it was founded on the principles of freedom and the author of freedom is the Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I, to my knowledge, I mean, I don't know one, but I don't know every single state flag, but every state flag I've really looked at has some symbolism or reference to the creator. And so, and our flag in Utah has, it's just loaded with tons of symbolism. It's very, it's really, the, the symbolism is beautiful. Not everyone thinks it's good looking. I think it's really I don't think it's like gorgeous, but I think it's really pretty. It's a pretty I think flag. it's a really pretty flag. And I it honestly looks like a five-year-old designed it and created it. I'm sorry to offend the person who did. So I don't want to I don't want to be rude. I really don't, but I just want to be honest. And the the dis, the design, they, the reason that they say they wanted to change our flag is they say it's hard for school children to draw our flag. I don't really agree with them. I don't agree with that at all. I don't believe, I don't think that's the reason it, it's not very legitimate. It is cancel culture. And I remember as a school age child drawing our flag and I, I think it was really fun. And you're looking at all the details. You look at the detail. When you look at the flag and when you draw, you see all, and then you learn the symbolism, the meaning of each thing. So it does look like a five-year-old did design it and it is something that a five-year-old could easily draw, no question. So it does look like something that they, they might've designed. So uh, there are a lot of, of voting bills this year, of course, as there have been. HB 171 is one I would like to spend a minute on, and that's alternative voting method. I love this bill because it basically says no more alternative voting methods. So I am not a fan of ranked choice voting, and so in, as that has become very unpopular, they've changed the name of it to alternative voting methods. And so this bill says, no, we can't use alternative voting methods. We can't use ranked choice voting in the state of Utah. Okay, Kristen, you found another bill that is exciting. I did. So yesterday when we were in the committee hearing, is it only yesterday? It was only yesterday. It seems oh like two, two weeks ago, doesn't it? <laughs> um, we were in the committee hearing for the vaccine passport prohibition bill. And just before that bill was heard, a friend of mine came in to testify as part of the presentation for another bill. And this is something that we had been talking about running a bill on this subject. So what it is, is it's about non-competes. You know, when you have 
signed an agreement with an employer that because you live, you were working in some kind of specialized field, and the information that you gain from working for them could be used against them or whatever. I think they have more non-competes than they need, honestly. But um, we have a problem, particularly in the healthcare field right now, with people requiring non-compete clauses in contracts. And then we have people who had to leave their jobs because they didn't want to take the COVID vaccine or they didn't want to be masked all the time or, or whatever, whatever it was that was being enforced during this past three years. And then because they've signed, and it's not just the medical field, there's lots of fields. Every field, yes. Um, because they've signed one of these agreements, then they're basically out of work where they have to go flip burgers for one or two years. They yeah, can't work in their industry. They can't use their yeah. skills. So we think that it would be beneficial for everyone, except for possibly some of the large corporations like IHC and these others that are making people sign non-competes, for people to not be allowed to require a non-compete in a lot of these industries. Now, I think there may still be somewhere it's important to have a non-compete clause because of intellectual property and rights like that. But in a lot of these fields, it is not necessary, and it's just an impediment to spreading healthcare out and getting getting more little pods of healthcare developing in different areas. This particular bill is focused on people with disabilities. Apparently, there are a lot of children with disabilities who have lost their providers because of non-compete clauses, and so. This was just a happy accident that it showed up in the same committee I was in. I was very happy to see it. It's actually Representative Lou Bay who's running it, and Senator Colomore is the floor sponsor. So perfect. But we had actually talked to Senator Senator Colomore about a similar bill earlier. So I don't know how those two bills are going to work or if they if they will be working. But um, this is this is really happy news, and the. The bill passed the committee, um, probably, I think it was unanimous, but it passed the committee. So this is a huge step towards freedom because when you have all these non-compete clauses, people are suffering. They're, it's And it's not just the people losing their jobs for one or two years. Like I said, it's the people who were getting care, right? who are no longer able to get care. From, from these qualified professionals who can no longer work in that field. That is so interesting. See, it's so fascinating because you learn about yeah. everything here. There's, and I always thought non-compete clauses were probably a good thing. Right, which they can be. They Sometimes can be. I mean, but they, of course, they're a good thing for the employer. Mm -hmm. They're a good thing for the businesses, but they do invest a lot of money and resources into an employee, and then the employee has a lot of contacts and a lot of intellectual property that they got from the business. And so you don't want your employee to go out and start a business and compete against you taking your clients. No. So that's kind of the premise but of a complete clause. If you become a tyrant and you yes. start forcing mm -hmm. um, medical intervention all over their civil your, rights, please, yes. You can't hold them hostage to. Right. And then I think that it's important for people to have the freedom to say, you know, this is one of the things that groups like Libertas always uh -huh. mention, oh, well, they can just go work somewhere else. Right. 
But then I say, no, they can't go work somewhere they've got else because they have a non-compete clause or they're in a specialized field that that you can't just yes, go work just go. somewhere else. And, you know, I'm sure that we can work things out where they can't take the phone numbers and the names of, the, of their clients right. with them, things like right. that. There needs to be some... Some you give know, and take. Yeah, some give and take there and kind of some lines yes. so that it's understood. But people do need to be able to move on if their employer is not creating, well, if their, their employer is creating a, a workplace that is, um, what's, what's the word for it? Um, like a negative workplace, like a hostile, 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 a hostile yeah, if it's a hostile environment, you should be able to leave and not be penalized. Right. Okay, so I want to just remind everybody that when because we live in this amazing republic, so awesome, we're so blessed, that we don't just have the right, but we have the responsibility to get involved and stand up and do something and let your voice be heard. And you know what? what is really, really true? We have a lot of new legislators this year, and there's over a thousand bills, and it's so hard, and they can't read them all, and they don't, you know, they're coming, like, it's being fed, like, water through a fire hose. I mean, it's just coming at you so fast and so hard, and they can't do research on every one of these bills. They just physically can't, and yet we want a part-time legislature. So you doing some research and reaching out to them and sharing not just your perspective, but some research, some evidence, and why you support this bill or why you don't want it, and the unintended consequences or the dangers of this, if you will help educate them, they will make better decisions. And then it's nice to have a relationship and a rapport because then when you, some a bill that you really have passion for, um, you can go to them and you've got a relationship and they're listening and they want to be, they, they I would say almost without exception, every legislator wants to hear from their constituents and they want some research and evidence given to them so that they can make wise decisions. Of course, there are exceptions to that, but not very many. So I also want to remind everybody, this is a great time to get educated about our amazing constitution. It is brilliant. It is genius. We have a bill up right now that is sponsored by uh, Representative Stratton. I want to say to HB 257, but you don't quote me on it. But it is. it simply says that the schools need, to, well, our, our society, our state will recognize Constitution Day, which I think is really important because I feel like, you know, 15 years ago, I was at an Independence Day event and I thought, you know what, everybody knows when Independence Day is, but nobody knows when Constitution Day is. And so that is when I decided, um, because the creator like told me I had to, and um, to start a, a Constitution celebration. And so I'm really excited about this bill, but the, and then it says to teach about the Constitution in school on that day or that week. But um, the problem is we have some educators that would not teach it in the proper context, not teach its genius and what's so great about it. They might teach it in a negative connotation. So I would like to see him amend his bill to add the seven principles of the Constitution that are laid out in the first two paragraphs of the Declaration of Independence. Thomas Jefferson made that very clear. He laid them right out there, right at the beginning. You take those principles and say, these are the principles that you need to teach when you're teaching the Constitution. So I think with teaching those, then it makes it very strong. And I would love to see that happen. And I would love to see people know when the Constitution was signed and know when to celebrate it and and 
Um, and I hope they all come to Freedom Flight Festival because it's really fabulous. <laughs> it is really fabulous. So it's going to be September 14th, 15th, and 16th. And I know right now that seems like a long ways away, but I promise you for me, it goes really fast. So, you know, well, spring will be here before we know it. And you know how fast summer goes. And it's just at the end of summer. So September 14th, 15th, and 16th. And you can look up all the details on the website. It's freedomslight.us freedomslight.us and so there you can get all the information it is outside we recreate colonial america we have founding fathers and founding mothers that are there and you get to meet them and hear their stories and then we have games and activities so you can learn about the principles of the constitution through activities through doing some storytellers are fascinating they're fabulous aren't they Mm -hmm. i mean i just have the best storytellers they really are so good really it's well there's 40 different things happening so there's really something for everyone food entertainment music there's just tons of stuff happening so it's kind of like the disneyland of the constitution like you just go from one thing to the next and then also i wanted to make everybody aware that we are holding our 15th annual constitution b that is april 13th so you can get your team together you can have a team of four five or six students this is elementary age junior high school age or high school age you get team together we give you a study guide you learn just learn a little bit about the constitution and you come there's tons of different levels uh that you can compete so there's like the a beginner level and then you move up from there and we have great cash prizes $500 cash prize for the first place and lots of other cash and other prizes for other and trophies for everyone and so that's a very fun thing so you know the thing is what what you never really realize when you're young is everyone wins not to sound like a heart a blood um um, heart beating liberal that everybody gets a trophy but not everyone does but everyone wins because the real real win is that you learn so much in kind of fun ways we try to make it fun you learn so much about the constitution you know more than 80 percent of congress i guarantee you knows about the constitution so but put that on your calendar if anybody's interested again yes again go to freedomslight.us and then you can get information there get the study guide and you know, register for your team, or at least get some information to see if you're interested. So, what do you think we could do to get you to get a team together, Kristen? No pressure. It sounds it sounds very spot. interesting. Yeah, <laughs> you have grandchildren. Uh, yeah, they're Neighbors. only five. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a little. Oh, my grandchildren are a lot older than your grandchildren are. <laughs> so, yeah, that could be really fun. But yeah, so you know, just let people know if you know any students. Like I say, it's really for all ages. Can I do another save the date while you're yes, doing please save do. the date? Yes, do save so the date. Tell our us symposium, about it. our health freedom health symposium, freedom. Yes. symposium, this will be our eighth year, is going to be on October 6th and 7th this year. And it will be in West Jordan again, the same place we did same it. Same location. Yeah, October, two years in a row, it'll yeah, be in the same place. Never happened before. Yeah. October 6th and 7th. And 7th. Yes. So keep your ears and eyes open for that because yeah. we're going to have some great speakers and chances to interact with like-minded people who care about freedom and health. And It is so much fun because you get to go be around other people who are like you and you just like, it just is like, it's just like the neatest, it's a really fun, happy reunion. Mm-hmm. And you get to meet people and reunite with people that you know. And it really is a great occasion to get to hear from people who 
are they don't are use emotion the they absolutely use evidence they use real life and evidence and they're they and they're very courageous people as well so oh, yes. yeah and it's just fun to be around in those people so put those dates in your calendar put it now because if you've got it scheduled you won't miss it you won't forget it you won't plan your trip to hawaii um, <laughs> at the time that freedom slide or your health freedom or the constitution bowl or the constitution b or exactly yeah either one they both work so for the same thing so uh, we really appreciate you staying with us and we are very, very blessed to live in a republic where we get to have a say in our own government. We get to govern ourselves, we get to free ourselves and we just want to remember everyone that you are the guardian of your liberty. Have a beautiful day.